0: You're tuned in to the Thinking Out loud, loud, loud. Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister. Michael Nimens,
1: we want to welcome you to yet another brand new edition. Of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and we're continuing to celebrate Black History Month. We hope that you are enjoying this series that we're calling the Trifecta. Uh, This week, we're we're keeping with that theme and highlighting three more of our favorite uh, interviews. Uh, Pastor and intellectual luminary Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III. Uh, We have witnessed the eclipse
2: of decency, honesty, and integrity. And as far as I'm concerned, within that eclipse, uh, we are now in the chaotic shadows of emboldened racism.
1: award-winning author and speaker, Brina Clark.
3: World, I think that we have uh, a very specific... Um, experience of racial oppression and also, um, uh, gender-based, uh, oppression so that I think we have a unique, specific voice and we can talk about issues that affect all women, uh, comedian and
1: radio host get up mornings with Erica Campbell, our good friend comedian Griff.
4: And I got baptized April 13th. 2003, and I said, Lord, I will do whatever you, I won't do comedy no more if you don't want me to, but he then said, actually, I was naked in the middle of my living room on the ground, saying, Lord, I'll, whatever you want me to do, and the first thing he said was, I want you to put some clothes on. It's time, 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 time for
0: the Thinking Out Loud radio show, thaw
4: of the week
5: and my traveling over there was designed to help to find out how. One of the first things that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. The purpose of our organization of Afro-American Unity, which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. Bring about the complete independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States. And bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary.
6: Hello
1: and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker and minister, Michael Nimmons You're tuned into the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you want to welcome you to yet another brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show And we're continuing to celebrate Black History Month We hope that you are enjoying this series that we're calling the Trifecta where we are highlighting our favorite interviews that we've done over the five years that we've been doing this show. And uh, this show is going to be no different. We're continuing with that uh, in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. But before we get into any of that, I want to share a few thoughts we've had uh, over some of the events that have taken place over this past week. I'm sure. Many of you have uh, watched the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, we watched it on last Sunday. Of course, it was a great game, uh, very uh, you know, very exciting. We might not have uh, want, might not have gotten the outcome that we were all looking for. I was, of course, you know, rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, but uh, the LA Rams ended up winning uh, the Super Bowl on last week. But um, my thoughts uh, in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show are more centered on the halftime show uh, that took place uh, with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, and a couple surprise guests, including 50 Cent, uh, of course, and Kendrick Lamar. And so... Uh, during the halftime show uh that uh had the West Coast theme to it, uh rapper Eminem uh took a knee at the end of his song Lose Yourself. And uh this was uh uh ended up being quite a controversial moment in uh the NFL uh because of course we know that uh you know quarterback former quarterback for the 49ers Colin Kaepernick uh uh was ultimately blackballed by the NFL because he took a knee uh in response to uh the racism that was taking place in uh another police brutality and uh and uh the black community and really trying to protest that and that was his way of doing so and so um We wanted to... Uh, we posted on our Facebook page Our personal Facebook page As well as our Thinking Out Loud uh, Fan page uh, Facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud HQ uh, a, a post Regarding uh, You know and deci- Eminem deciding to Take a knee and to take a stand uh, It was believed of or, or According to initial reports That Eminem Asked the NFL if it was okay for him to take a knee, and uh, according to these reports, uh, the NFL uh, denied this request. Uh, but then, uh, shouts out to uh, radio uh, well, to journalist Rochelle Riley, uh, who we had on our show. Um, she uh, tweeted out that uh, Eminem did not ask permission, but he basically was telling the NFL. That's what he was going to do. Uh, So I posted on my Facebook page, as well as the Thinking Out Loud fan page, a post of a short clip of Eminem uh uh taking the knee and the post read so far a lot of emphasis is being put on this being the best halftime show in Super Bowl history uh, but that is debatable and I put in parentheses ain- anybody remember MJ or Michael Jackson the king of pop remember that I think it was back in 2005 or maybe 7 where he uh uh, his halftime show was—I uh, mean, that to me was probably the best one, where he um, showed up on three different billboards at the top, like appeared on three different tops of the uh, of billboards to start his uh, halftime performance, and then uh, ended up. Uh, popping up in the center of the stage and standing there for you know between three to four minutes, uh, just soaking in all of the cheers and the applause from the fans around the stadium uh, had to be a hundred thousand people there uh, in attendance. but uh, that to me was the best one, of course, and then some people were saying Prince was theirs, but this MJ was to me the best uh, the best one. But nevertheless, I continue. That's beside the point. However, what is quickly becoming the moment for me is seeing rapper Eminem take a knee in what appears to be against the wishes of the NFL. Uh, Thanks to a tweet from Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who, by the way, was a guest on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, uh, hashtag shameless plug, Rochelle Riley, who indicated that Eminem didn't ask permission from the NFL to kneel which many believed to be the case. Instead, he was letting them know that's what he was going to do, and this is what we need more of, courage in the face of adversity. Thank you, Eminem, for taking a stand by taking a knee. Hashtag justice. Hashtag take a knee. Hashtag NFL. Hashtag black history. Hashtag black lives matter. And uh, I was really you know, impressed with his stand and uh, and so there were several people uh, who commented, want to shout them out uh, in uh, this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Shouts out to Jessica Jefferson, uh, to uh, Timothy Brown, my good friend, uh, and to uh, Lauren uh, Teals, who her and I kind of uh, had a, a, a pretty... Um, in-depth conversation going back and forth there uh, uh, regarding this, and I'm not going to get into uh, all of it, but um, she was basically saying not sure how taking a knee does anything for anybody when no one fights against flesh and blood. It's hard to fight Politically and claim spirituality. Uh, but my comment, my comment, first comment to uh, Lauren was simply a uh, point well taken. But even though we're spiritual beings, we still live in a physical world and we must continue speaking truth to power and stand up against the wrongs we see in this society. And there, We might not see immediate benefit from this stance, but neither did any in the civil rights movement see an immediate benefit standing up against the injustices during that time as well. But they continued on to fight, and that is uh, why we're here uh, today. So I just wanted to shout those individuals out, uh, but again, uh it was uh you know a very interesting halftime show and uh and then again much uh discussion was had regarding uh rapper Eminem's stance uh and to taking a knee and uh i thought that was um uh very noteworthy uh and uh worthy of our uh you know acknowledgement in this week's edition Of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We encourage uh, posts like this. We encourage discussion like this on social media. So if you see our posts, whether it be on our personal uh, uh, page, Michael Nimmons, or our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page, we encourage you uh, to respond because you never know. We might actually talk about it and discuss it on the air. So feel free to do so. Wherever you see our posts, whether it be on Instagram, uh, Twitter or Facebook, feel free to do so because we, we love social engagement. Uh, we love connecting with, uh, you know, you as well as our listeners, uh, of the thinking out loud radio show. So feel free co- t- uh, to continue doing so. We also want to say a word about, uh, the sentence that, uh, was just levied against, um, Former police officer Kim uh, Potter uh, in the fatal shooting of Dante Wright in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, you know, again, this I think was um, a miscarriage of justice. Uh, this police officer only got uh, two years. Uh, and uh, you, you've seen I'm sure the Post, you've seen the news uh, we want to weigh in on that and just say uh, how we believe this was definitely um, a miscarriage of justice uh, you know, the, the judge just really, really I think um, did our black the black community a tremendous disservice in, um, in giving this woman a very light sentence, in fact she even said this in her remarks leading up to handing down this sentence, and I thought it was just, um, you know, ridiculous. It was incredulous against our community, and, uh, you know, there is much uh, that is being said about it, uh, you know, and um, it, it again, speaks to uh, the need for uh, criminal justice reform, Uh, These this this police officer, Kim Potter, if you recall, she was the one who uh, shot Dante Wright, uh, what she claims to be accidentally thinking that it was her uh, taser. Instead, it was her service revolver. And um, as a result, this young man lost his life very tragically Uh, and uh, and it didn't have to be that way. And so here we have, you know, here we are again. Uh, in a situation where um a police officer in my view and I'm sure in yours as well is not being held accountable for uh you know what uh he has done or what he or she has done uh to uh an unarmed uh black uh and brown person and you know i i, I it, it 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 pains me to say this I, i'm just you know, I'm sure like many of you are speechless when it comes to this. And here we have to basically relive this, this, this tragedy uh, through the sentencing process now that this officer is only going to be spending approximately 16 months behind bars and, and maybe even less time than that. And you could even see there was a picture posted of her uh, mugshot and she was smiling in the picture. Um, and, uh, it just, it really just, again, uh, rubs us all the wrong way. Um, and I just want to say to the family of Dante Wright, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We know that this has got to be a very tragic, uh, thing to have happened to you and then to have to relive it during this trial only to, uh, see that the judge, um, was basically on the side of the the police officer and and claiming that uh this revolved that that this was simply an accident on her part and nothing more and nothing less. So I I just wanted to weigh in on that and again share my thoughts as well as our condolences for the family of Dante Wright and the families of those who lost their lives very tragically uh, because of this this growing uh, crisis of police brutality in our black community. In part two of the trifecta edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, we're going to be sharing with you excerpts uh, from three of our favorite. Three more of our favorite interviews that we've been able to have over the past five years we've been doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show. In the first segment, we're going to be sharing with you an excerpt from an interview we had with my good friend, uh, pastor and intellectual luminary, Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes III, pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And in the second segment, we're going to be sharing with you an excerpt from an interview we had with award-winning author and speaker, Brena Clark, And finally, rounding out the three excerpts from guests that we've had over the five years we've been doing the show. We're going to be sharing with you an excerpt from uh, comedian and radio host Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell, our good friend, comedian Griff. And so, guys, this is going to be another great show that we have in store for you. And we're going to be sharing with you these excerpts in just a few minutes. We also want to mention that, guys, if you're enjoying Black History Month, and I'm sure you are because our numbers are continuing to go up each and every week. Um, I I must say that uh, you're going to really enjoy the month of March we're really working uh, doing our due diligence to uh, put together uh, some great shows for Women's History Month and I'm sure you're going to enjoy them so guys I'm excited about who we have uh, uh, coming up in the month of March so you need to make sure that you don't miss an episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show guys we are bringing you uh, as we always say the best minds giving you their best thoughts exclusively right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show and Women's History Month is going to be no different I'm telling you I'm excited can't discuss it right now but you just be sure to, to tune in if you. and uh, we're going to be uh, making those posts very soon on our social media uh, Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN on Facebook. Thank thinking out loud hq facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud hq on twitter tol radio host msn uh, the tol radio show on twitter and on instagram as well so be sure uh, that you're following us on social media so that you can uh, you don't miss uh, a minute you don't miss a post you don't miss anything that we have going on right here on the thinking out loud radio show to our interview on uh, this week with these three uh, brilliant, genius uh, intellectuals that we were blessed to be able to interview over the course of our five years in doing this podcast, we have another dynamic uh, excerpt uh, uh, for our thought of the week from. Uh, You know, an icon in the civil rights movement, uh, and that is none other than El Hajj Malik El Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X. In this excerpt, he's talking about his split from uh, Elijah Muhammad and the black Muslims and talking about his path forward uh, to, uh, in his continued fight for equality and justice for African Americans in this country and around the world. Um, I want to share this thought with you uh, from this icon, uh, because I think, again, as we celebrate black history, it's always uh, important to remember those who have sacrificed their lives for us. We're standing on the shoulders of some great men and women. That um, we would not be here had it not been for their sacrifice, had it not been for their commitment, their dedication, their passion to the movement. And shouts out to to uh, to him, his entire family, and the legacy of El Haj Malik El Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X. Well, guys, we're getting ready to go to break. When we come back we getting right into my interview with intellectual luminary and pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas, our good friend, Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes III. You don't want to go anywhere. You tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back.
7: Hello, my name is Maya Nemitz, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nemitz, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now available on the Detroit Praise Network website.
0: You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
7: Black to the bone, to the core to the root. I am to America a very strange fruit, born from a tree nearly wilted from its traps into a world content with racial labeling and criminal profiles. I search for truths that have been withheld from books produced to tell history. And it's a mystery how they missed me or people like me when our backs were broken from building this country. And our hands were calloused from sowing seeds upon which men and women would bleed and still not be freed for another 300 years. I believe some mothers still cry those slaves tears. Cause fear and anger run deep and get passed down through generations like heirlooms. And in the heirlooms the stench of discrimination as this nation falls deeper into complacency. Denying black beauty and black pride.
0: Black lives really do matter. Here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
7: Refined. Rebranded. Reinvented. Reinvigorated. Revived the new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here and believe me it's worth the wait a state of the art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog purchase books and swag and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us stop by the new Michael Nimove.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience.
6: Who told you that
1: you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you? That you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you
0: that you had no value? Who told you that you get you to believe who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com.
6: like a victim when you are already victorious
7: What is up, beautiful people? It's your girl Lex Devine in the building, kicking it with yours truly, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. All right, y'all, stay tuned.
6: You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio
0: show.
8: Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked.
1: For hearing this powerful man of God, an intellectual luminary, Pastor Dr. Freddie Haynes III. It was while listening to the Ricky Smiley morning show on my way to work and I had the radio on and on the Ricky Smiley morning show he has uh, he always has a morning inspiration and uh, each morning it was from Dr. Freddie Haynes and uh, I was listening and I was saying to myself, wow, who is this pastor? Who is this, uh, this individual uh, that is speaking truth to power uh, on this radio show? And it really caused me to investigate to find out who this was I hadn't heard of. And ever since then, had to at least been, uh, you know... 10 years ago uh, or more, where I first uh, became acquainted with uh, this intellectual uh, luminary, Pastor and Dr. Freddie Haynes III. Uh, I have since become an admirer of his and uh, very honored and humbled to have been able to connect with him on social media to invite him to be a guest on the Thinking Out Loud radio show for a series we were calling Politics. And the church, and in this excerpt, he talks about uh, the church and politics, and how they are intertwined. As well as he's talking about uh, the uh, presidency or the former president Donald Trump, and uh, how he, how history will remember him. Take a listen. All right, family. We are back on a very special edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and we have, as I said before the break, a very powerful man of God on the line with us on tonight. And I am just excited. Um, that he's consented to be on the show with with us as we begin our discussion uh, in this new series called Politics and the Church, the 21st century uh, role of the minister. And we have a man who is truly the embodiment of what uh, that is uh, for 2018. I am excited uh, that... Uh, Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes III, pastor of uh, Friendship West Baptist Church, is on the line with us on tonight. And I just want to give him a quick introduction. I'm sure many of you already know who he is, but to all of our Blog Talk Radio and WDPR 102.4 listeners, I just want to give him a proper introduction before we bring him on the line, Frederick. Douglas Haynes III is a prophetic pastor, passionate leader, social activist, and eloquent orator and educator engaged in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, fighting against racial injustice, committed to economic justice and empowerment in underserved communities, and touching and transforming the lives of the disenfranchised. For 35 years, Dr. Haynes has served as a visionary and innovative senior pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Under his servant leadership, the ministry and membership have grown from less than 100 members in 1983 to over 12,000. I want you to give a warm, thinking out loud radio show welcome to new friends of the show and Pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Freddie Haynes. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Dr. Haynes.
2: Wow. Thank you. Thank you.
1: It is truly an honor and a privilege for you to be on our show with us on tonight. We have been a long time admirer of yours and your ministry. And I just can't tell you uh, how excited I am for you to be on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We were introduced to your ministry through the Ricky Smiley Morning Show.
2: Well, thank you so much. uh, Ricky Smiley is a dear brother, beloved and friend and it's it's really an honor that he, because his faith is so strong, and he has a faith that shows up uh, in justice work in politics. But he also, you know, wanted to make sure that even during a hip hop, you know, radio program, that you know God had an opportunity to speak and inspire. And so. Uh, I've been, you know, kicking it with Rick for many years now, and he always has insisted if he's going to do a show uh, that he has a segment on there uh, that he calls the praise break. And so I respect him, love him, and and I'm grateful uh, to God that through that uh, I got hooked up uh, with the one and only Michael (laughs)
1: Nillard. I really and truly consider that a compliment. Thank you so much. Dr. Freddie Haynes Uh, again we're excited to have you on the show with us on tonight and for those that are listening dr haynes is not just a spiritual leader but he is also a social leader as well and um, a great first guest in this new series that we're calling politics and the church on the thinking out loud radio show and so with that in mind uh let's start here i want to know from you dr haynes Um, We started this uh, new series, Politics in the Church, um, in large part because of the current administration and what uh, he is doing in this country and the direction that our country is headed. So I want to know from you, I want you to put into words and terms uh, and characterize uh, the political climate of these United States.
2: Well, I would put it like uh, Cornel West. He brilliantly says that uh, we have witnessed the eclipse of decency, honesty, and integrity. And as far as I'm concerned, within that eclipse uh, we have are now in the chaotic shadows of emboldened racism. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a viciousness uh, that where people feel really it's okay uh, to be racist. Uh, Unfortunately, in both, what, uh, not California, but in Florida and in Georgia, uh, we witnessed those who won statewide offices uh, basically have that Trump-like mindset where, again, racism is okay. And so racism is emboldened. Uh, Tonight, uh, we all know that Mississippi uh, will elect, you know, their next senator. And, of course, one of the candidates has been very Trump-like in her racist commentary. So, so we're, we're, we're in these shadows of emboldened racism, not to mention predatory patriarchy, uh, so that, you know, toxic masculinity uh, infects and affects women. And, unfortunately, uh, he's made it okay, seemingly. And that is why, you know, he was able to get away with nominating uh, a sexual predator who now sits on the Supreme Court. Uh, But he himself uh, is the sexual predator-in-chief. Not only that, but you have this unvarnished greed uh, that the greedy get rewarded while the needy get exploited. And that is the kind of climate Uh, we find ourselves in. I guess the last one would be for me, this ugly xenophobia. I mean, who would think that the strongest military on the planet would be used, uh, troops sent to the border in the name of, you know, protecting our borders, uh, but basically to tear gas children and women and, you know, use as a political weapon, you know those who are trying to get away from terror and horror and a nightmare of poverty and violence, and they run into, you know, a nightmare of power, a nightmare of violence. So uh, that's the ugly political climate we find ourselves in. Uh, it's 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 an environment that anyone with a conscience, I would hope, would be concerned about. And it really speaks to, you know, the last sermon that Dr. King was writing uh, that was found in his uh, suit jacket uh, pocket, and that is, he was saying, why America may go to hell. Uh, And right now, America is doing some hellish stuff in this political climate, and it's the kind of hellish stuff that will cause Jesus to say, I was hungry. Uh, And you cut aid to dependent children. I was thirsty and you poisoned the water in Flint, Michigan and in other places I was a stranger and you built a wall and we're gonna say okay Lord when do we do this? And He's gonna say in as much as you did it to the least of these you've also done it to me So that for me is a long answer to your short question But it reflects the ugliness and the seriousness of the sick political climate. We find ourselves in
1: Wow Wow, I could not have said it better myself. I am, again, so honored to have Dr. Freddie Haynes uh, on the show with us on tonight, pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, We're on tonight talking about this critical subject of politics and the church, and he just um really laid it out for us the political climate that is uh going on in these United States. Um you know I wanted to know from you, Dr. Haynes, the black church um historically um has been uh the epicenter for um uh the civil rights movement back in the 1960s black leaders like dr king used this platform of the black church to move the mission and objectives of the civil rights movement further um i want to know from you does the black church today have this same ministry assignment
2: oh without question if if we're going to be true to our uh legacy uh inheritance I mean, the black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar, L.H. Welchow, uh, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, That's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for me, uh, if the black church is to be true to its legacy uh, and inheritance, it must be on the front lines in the fight for social justice. And when you fight for justice, inevitably, uh, you're going to uh, deal with, you know, politics. And it calls for us to be the light of the world Uh, in these darkening shadows of political chaos we find ourselves in uh, even right now. So without a doubt, uh, if we are to be true to, and and recently I was in a conversation with colleagues and we just basically have have come to uh, discover and decide uh, there's a difference between the black church and churches that are black. Uh, There are churches with black people who really ain't about the black church life. And the black church life uh, picks up the mantle of Martin Luther King, Jr., Ida B. Wells, Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, uh, Jarena Lee, uh, not to mention Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, and all of those who use their faith in public and prophetic witness to make this world a better place, even if it meant, you know, shining their light in the darkness of the political arena. So, you know, you can't read the Bible without an understanding that, you know, we're supposed to be engaged uh, in making the world a better place, and sometimes that will pit us against Caesar. Sometimes we will have to take a stand against Herod and Pilate. Uh, We'll have to tell, you know, the king, uh, as Nathan did thou art the man we'll have to tell Pharaoh as Moses did let God's people go so there's no way that you're going to call yourself a person of faith a Christian uh, who is not engaged and involved uh, in impacting the world even if it means prophetically speaking truth to power uh, and dealing with those who are politics, uh, politicians in high places
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent that that is the case, that churches and ministers and pastors and the like uh, should be uh, speaking truth to power. And um, uh, if it means going against the grain and going against uh, the politics of uh, the country um, to stand for right, then that's what you have to do uh just again so ex- excited and thrilled to have uh, pastor Doc, uh, Pastor and Dr. Freddie Haynes with us on the show with us on tonight I know you are enjoying our interview uh, and if you are go to our website right now as you're listening to this interview www.michaelnemons.com leave us a comment we would love to hear from you again we're so happy to have him on the show I want to give you a hypothetical um, Dr. Haynes um, a few months ago maybe be back during the summer, uh, there was a collection of ministers, black pastors and ministers that met with uh, President Trump uh, in the overall, well, uh, met with him. I'm not sure if it was an overall office or not, but they uh, had what, what really amounted to be just a photo op um, with the president. And I want to know from you. I mean, they got a lot of flack uh, for being there and um, nothing much was accomplished. But I want to know from you, Dr. Haynes, if you were an invited minister uh, to the Trump White House, um, what would you first question is, do you go? And and number two, if you do decide to go, what should your agenda be when you're seated at the table? With President Donald Trump,
2: so let me just uh, hasten to say, I I don't know uh, many of the uh, pastors who were seated at the table uh, personally. I know one or two, and I have had you know full disclosure conversations with them. And so what I'm about to say, uh, they would already know. And the first. Question is, would I accept an invitation? And the answer is no. Uh, Donald Trump is an amoral liar. Uh, he, being amoral uh, and being a liar, which is a very dangerous combination, you can never trust him. And he's also ego maniacal. And because he is ego maniacal and a narcissist, you know that. You know, to meet with him, you basically are there for his benefit. Uh, You are there, as you so well stated, for a photo op. And if I'm going to take a selfie or pictures, he's not someone I want to take a picture with. Uh, If I'm going to do a photo op, it's going to be with someone I'd be proud to be on the picture with, and I would not ever be proud to be in a photo op with him. Uh, Most importantly, and this is what I share with my colleagues who went, uh, I did write an open letter and I had many sign on to it, uh, to them, and one of the things that I stated was, because they were talking about how important it was to be seated at the table, well, there's some tables you don't want to sit at, and that's a table, as long as he is the host, I will never eat from that table. Uh, I don't want to, and... It's almost like, and my biblical reference is this. Jesus of Nazareth was dealing with an amoral, uh, egomaniacal uh, narcissist in Herod, King Herod. And the Bible says that when Jesus stood before Herod, he did not even speak to him. He's brought to him in this trial, and we all know the story. But he's the one person in all of Scripture that Jesus totally ignored. And you ignore someone who is amoral, uh, who politically, you know, has an agenda that has nothing to do with, you know, the advancement of God's work and God's will. And again, and 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 I'll put it to you like this, to show you what a big lie and facade that was, you know, they're talking about what? Prison reform. Ha, ha, ha. But you have as your Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, who, of course, has been released, fired. Uh, but not fired because of what he was doing, but fired because he did not conform to what, you know, 46 minus 1 thought he should do as it relates to this whole investigation that's going on. But in the meantime, when you look at what Sessions was doing to the criminal justice system, rolling back all of the reforms that had been done under President Obama, especially as it relates to policing, and yet you're sitting at the table discussing police reform with someone whose attorney general is already engaging in policies or, or 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 pushing policies that roll back consent decrees that roll back all of the advances that had been made in the prior administration i mean it's a joke it's a lie and so the meeting was a lie and so if he invites me to a meeting to discuss prison reform i'm saying no no You know, no, because I know you're joking. I know it's a photo op. I know you're not serious. I know you're amoral. You ain't got no problem lying and then telling a lie about the lie that you told, saying that you did not lie. And that kind of liar cannot be entrusted with truth. And so with that being the case, you know, my first, the answer to your first question is, no, I would not go. Uh, I would send a letter. And the letter I would send would basically outline an agenda for what he could do that represents real policing reform. And the first thing I would say is get it to your attorney general because your attorney general is the one who's in charge of all of that. So, you know, for me, you w- if, if you hear that I'm in a meeting with Donald Trump, know that somebody's impersonating me or that I have been uh a victim of the invasion of the body snatchers and someone has <laughs> taken over my body and it ain't me because that is not something that I would ever do
1: <laughs> woo man <laughs> i uh i agree with you doc i agree with you um that would definitely be an easy invitation to turn down Um, In that regard, but uh, again, I know you are enjoying our interview with uh, Pastor Dr. Freddie Haynes of uh, Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. We're talking politics and the church, and he is just laying uh, so much wisdom and insight uh, on this political climate and what we as ministers, what we as pastors and what we as a black church should be doing speaking truth to power. So happy to have him on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And so, Dr. Haynes, there was a gentleman there uh, at that particular meeting who made a statement that I really uh, took pause with and uh, really uh, really didn't really understand where he was coming from. He made a statement. I'm sure you uh, recall this. He said, Donald Trump may be the most pro-black president in our nation's history, especially given the fact that he does how, what do you think of this statement that Donald Trump may be the most pro-black president in our nation's history especially given the fact that he doesn't have any blacks currently working on his White House staff
2: Right, and especially given the fact that uh, this same person who's supposed to be you know the most pro-black president has done so much anti-black Uh, stuff uh, from attacking many of our outstanding black activists, public servants. Uh, I think, you know, when when you talk about someone being pro-black, I seriously doubt if they would, you know, say that, you know, athletes who are taking a knee – and taking a stand against racial injustice ought to be fired uh, and we know they're black uh, there's nothing pro-black about that that's anti-black uh, you're talking about the same person who again I'm looking at his policies his policies have hurt our community his policies have you know done nothing but reflect the racism that helped him ride into office i mean he rode into office his political career began because he questioned you know the what the authenticity and credibility and legitimacy of the nation's first black president you know he's the one who became the first, the face of the birther movement and that was inherently racist there's nothing pro-black about that and then he gets into office and again he continues We all know what happened in Charlottesville, and he said there are good people on both sides. You know, fine people on both sides, a direct quote, uh, meaning fine people who were, you know, engaging in racist vitriol. Uh, Again, I cannot say that this person is pro black. Uh, and I could just call the role, man, of what he has done to insult black people. Uh, it's almost as if he has declared war on black people. And so I would say instead of being the most pro-black president we've had, uh, he's the first one in quite some time uh, to blatantly declare war on on black people and the black community. And so I hope we understand what T.I. meant when he said a war has been declared on us and we didn't even know it. We better wake up and know it because this man has declared war on us, and in every war the first casualty is truth. And so when someone in the office, you know, uh, invited around the table, you know, brown noses and says he's the most pro-black president, uh, we already know that, Truth has been a casualty, and unfortunately, you know, this person, you know, had the nerve to, you know, brown-nose, and I guess he wanted to, you know, brown-nose as deep as he could, and he Mm -hmm. went on to lie and, what, engage in hyperbole and say, you know, this is the most pro-black president ever, and even the devil knows that's a lie. Uh, The devil won't even uh, buy into that lie. (laughs)
1: absolutely absolutely i was just taken aback when i heard uh that statement made about donald trump and uh and and you know there was absolutely no truth to that statement whatsoever and i don't believe any of the pastors seated around there uh Took that statement seriously either, but no one had the courage to. Uh, <laughs> no one had the courage to check him uh, when that was said. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was silence heard everywhere, including that table.
8: And
2: and and for me, silence. I mean, it, it, I mean, I got to quote Dr. King now. There comes a time, you know, when mm-hmm. si- to be silent is to be complicit. You know, it was very disappointing that no one spoke up because there was definite shade thrown at former President Obama while trying to give shine to this current occupant of the White House and again for no one to speak up and say that you didn't go on a little bit too far and we can't go along with that and so it added to the circus that you know for me I never want to see our colleagues subjected to Uh, The Church of Jesus Christ is already under attack. And when we participate in a charade and become a part of a circus, eventually you get clowned. And I'm simply saying that, you know, in that photo op, seated around the table
6: were honorable men and women of God. And unfortunately, they got clowned by.
7: You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial.
0: Global Advocate Martin Luther King III.
1: So I I think the future is... Is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of you know the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years theoretically could cause of, have caused people to to have lost faith, particularly if if Trump had
0: won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
7: Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today.
0: The Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
1: don't 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 don't
0: touch that dial it's a thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back the people have spoken from minneapolis minnesota to london england from new zealand to new york city Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
1: Join part two of the trifecta edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. On the first segment, we talked to intellectual luminary and pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, our good friend Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes. The third, and in this segment, we're, t- we're going to be talking to author and speaker and activist Brina Clark about her new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm speaking now black women share their truth and 101 stories of love courage and hope i was so very excited to talk to this uh powerful woman in fact her first book was a novel that was featured in the oprah book club and we talk a little bit about that in the first segment take a listen All right, guys, we are back on an amazing edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show, and we have an amazing guest with us, uh, and I'm just so excited to have her on the show, and I can't wait to get into this interview with her about her new book, and before we do, though, I want to give her a proper introduction. She's a co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, I'm Speaking Now, and she's also the author of three novels, the most recently published, Angels Make Their... Hope Here, is set in an imagined mixed-race community in 19th century New Jersey. Uh, Her debut novel, River Cross My Heart, was an October 1999 Oprah book club selection and was named by Publishers Weekly as one of the seven essential books about Washington, D.C. She's a co-founder of the Hubbard Festival of Women Writers and is on the fiction faculty of Stone Coast MFA in Creative Writing at the University of Southern Maine since 2013. I want you to give a warm thinking out loud radio show welcome to new friends of the show, author, speaker, activist, co-founder of uh, the Hubbard Festival of Women Writers and the Fiction Faculty of Stone Coast MFA in Creative Writing. I want you to I want to welcome uh Marina Clark welcome to the thinking out loud radio show
3: thanks for having me Michael I'm happy to be
1: here oh we're so very very happy to have you here as I said before it is a pleasure to meet you uh miss Clark thank you so much for being with us here on the thinking out loud radio and tv show
3: (laughs) nice to be here nice to
1: be here Absolutely. So I want to start here. Um, Tell us about your journey as an author.
3: Well, um, as you can see, I've been writing for a while, so it's been a long journey. Mm -hmm. But I came to writing uh, later in my career. I started out doing other things. I went to uh, Howard University. I'm a Howard University alum. My uh, degree there was in fine arts. So I have a BFA and I tried to um, have a career in theater that in the early years. uh, And I, I did perform and write for theater in my earlier uh, part of my career. I left that to work uh, to do administrative work at time Inc. And I worked on the administrative staff for uh, the magazine group at Time, Inc. I retired from there. Um, and after the success of River Cross My Heart, I actually wrote it while I was working at Time. Mm. And it took me a long time. I had a lot of support. Uh, my book was published and then it was chosen for the Oprah show. So that was a great bit of luck i see yes that that was great and i was able then to uh take an early retirement and uh start over with another career so that was very good for
1: me wow and tell us tell us what it was like you know being your book being selected uh, as a part of the oprah book club i mean that had to be a tremendous
3: honor Well it was And it was a great boost Her show was at that time Enormously successful Mm -hmm. And she was choosing I think she was choosing one book every month at that point in the show's history. So it was very important. And my book had gotten a nice response even before the Oprah selection. So we were very pleased and um, the publisher was very pleased with the response. And then when it was chosen by Oprah, that just sort of put it in a whole other category and it was very exciting. I was able to meet her and I was on the show. And so it was great. You know, it was a really a, a great experience.
1: Awesome, awesome! Wow, oh. that's just tremendous. Um, you 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 got to meet her. Um, mm-hmm. That 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 had to be a really um, wonderful experience. And and so a river crossed my heart that was your first that was your first book yes
3: yes that was my debut novel and as I say it was very you know I was very excited about it being chosen and the point is I mean it was great meeting um Oprah of course but what she actually did for those of us whose books she chose was even more important because bookstores have a certain length of time that they will keep any Novel, any new novel on their shelves. Mm-hmm. They can't keep them on forever and ever and ever. So they have a short uh, shelf life in a, a regular bookstore, which means that your readers have to get to your book quickly, right. snap them up in right. order for them to be successful. So the thing with the Oprah uh, book selection is that. Because of her selection and the great popularity, it extended that shelf life for the book. It kept it around longer most bookstores had a had an Oprah uh, book club table. So your book would be there. It was a great boost. It was a very great boost to the book. I'm sure it was.
1: And what's even more phenomenal for me is that was your first novel. (laughs)
6: <laughs> yes, because yes. many
1: writers, I'm telling you, I've written a couple books myself and um, for your first book out the gate to be um, that successful has really got to have a great feeling behind that as well.
3: Yes, yes, it really did. It really did. It was a great, uh, a great boost uh, to my self-esteem and, um, and also it gave me the energy and also the time uh, to devote to the next project and the next one after that. So it was great.
1: Awesome. I know you guys are enjoying my interview with author, speaker, founder, activist, Brianna Clark. She is, Brianna Clark, I'm sorry, Brianna Clark. She is on with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio and tv show so so very happy and honored to have her with us on the show with us today talking to us about uh, her recent book chicken soup for the soul i'm speaking now um your your as we say your recent book again is called chicken soup for the soul i'm speaking now i want to i want to ask you how important is the black woman's voice, uh, not just in black America, but in this country. And dare I say, even in this world.
3: Oh, absolutely. In this world, I think that we have uh, a very specific um, experience of racial oppression and also um, uh, gender based uh, oppression so that I think we have a unique specific voice, and we can talk about issues that affect all women, as well as um, speaking about issues that affect all black people. So um, the concept of intersectionality comes into play here because we represent uh, several uh, communities that have been oppressed and so that we have a particular uh, voice and that we speak uh, uh, with. And that's one of the reasons why we titled our our, uh, book, I'm Speaking Now. But, you know, it has a much longer title, Michael. And I just want to give you that much longer title because I think it's important. Oh, yes. It is called I'm Speaking Now. Black women share their truths In 101 Stories of Love, Courage, and Hope. And so it's a very big, kind of unwieldy title on one. And But you can see that it includes many very important stories, mm. um, and they're all, it's 101 stories. They're all first-person narratives, so each woman is talking specifically about her life in these stories, and I'm very happy to be involved with this project.
1: And again, we're very happy to have you on the show to talk about uh, this very powerful uh, powerful book and and since we're we're doing that let's let's talk about it in this way you know um as you said this is 101 stories of uh love courage and hope told by black women you know i want you to uh, tell us about Uh, Some of the writers that were in this book, some of the topics, the subject matters that were discussed and how you were able to bring uh, all of these influential women together uh, for a project like this.
3: Well, the project was conceived uh, well back in the fall. And we put out a call asking women who wanted to tell, who wanted to write a first-person narrative. Many of them, uh, well, I'll say not many of them, some of them had written for chicken soup volumes in the past. Mm -hmm. Many of the women are new to the chicken soup series and are also, some of them are new to writing. Some of them were moved to create their narrative Uh, even though they had not had the experience of writing this type of essay before. Um, We sent out, as I said, a very wide call soliciting submissions. Many women, very many women responded. We read all of their essays and we chose 101 to represent this book. So we had to winnow it down from a much larger pool. I'll also mention that the book has includes 12 poems as well, because we got poetry submissions. uh, A number of women sent the poems in and we didn't want to just not publish the poems. We also didn't want to give up a spot, one of the 101 spots for the essays because the response had been so good. So we decided that there was a way to include at least 12 poems so that each of the 12 sections in which the book is separated, includes a poem and the poem begins that section. Mm. So you get a a lot in this book. There's a lot of wisdom here. You get the poetry, you get the personal essays. And then one of my favorite parts um, is that each story, each of the essays is accompanied by a quote that appears right at the top of the page, the quote that refers to that story. And these quotes are from um, a wide range of black women. Uh, Some of them are historical women who are quoted here. Um, Mary McLeod, Bethune, Anna Julia Cooper, so many others. Mm -hmm. We also have contemporary women, Oprah, of course, Mm -hmm. Beyonce, Michelle Obama, many, many Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, many other uh, contemporary women. So it's a really nice mix. So you've got um, a lot to reflect on when you have this book
1: it sounds like an amazing book and uh, again we're so very happy to uh, to have you with us on the thinking out loud radio and tv show to talk about it mm-hmm. uh you know uh chicken soup for the soul uh entertainment is an iconic brand uh it's been around for some time now and i want to mm-hmm. know uh, how does your book align with uh this iconic brand
3: Well, this book is born of the brand. Hmm. Amy Newmark, who is uh, uh, she and I are co-authors of the book, co-editors of this uh, volume. Uh, This uh, idea grew from Amy Newmark Mm -hmm. and uh, she reached out to a few uh, writers that she knew and she was recommended to me as possibly someone to join her. She wanted very much to have a black woman to work with her so that we could bring this project to fruition. When she reached out to me, we talked about it. And when she told me about what her concept was, I said, oh, okay, I'm down for this. <laughs> this is this is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, because I wanted to um, work with someone who was providing a platform for a wide range of black women who wanted to write and express themselves about their experiences. And this works well with the other work that I do. As you have said, I I teach uh, fiction at an uh, low residency MFA program, and I also am the co-founder of the Hobart Festival of Women Writers, and we've been we've been doing until the pandemic came. We were doing an annual uh, weekend festival each year since 2013, and we expect to get back to our in-person event really soon. But all of these things um, come together for me. They're all part of what I see is a contribution that I can make as a writer that I when I go through, if I can open a door and let some other uh, women come through and express themselves, then I'm happy. That makes me happy. And uh, we can uh, talk about all of the issues that are important to us. And that's what the women in this uh, volume have done. Don't don't, don't, don't,
6: don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back.
7: Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here and believe me it's worth the wait. A state of the art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking working experience
6: don't 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 touch that
1: dial it's the thinking of our radio show we'll be right back I know you guys are enjoying part two of our trifecta edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And in the first segment, we talked to intellectual luminary and pastor, Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes III. And in this last segment, we talked to award-winning author and speaker, Brina Clark. And in this segment, we're sharing an excerpt from our interview with comedian and radio host, Griff. This guy is hilariously funny, and in this segment, he's talking about his comedic start as well as his job co-hosting Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Take a listen. Another very special edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and boy, do we have a great guest on the line with us on tonight, and I can't wait to get into this interview. You all should know by now who I'm talking to. We've been sharing all over social media, uh, but I want to give him a proper introduction before we get into this interview. He is a veteran in the game, in the comedic game, um, almost twenty. 5 years doing stand-up as a comic um, motivational speaker veteran on-air personality Uh, he is also the co-host of Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell he's also the author and father of five and has forged his career At the intersection of faith, philanthropy, and humor And guys, an interesting fact about him He is the first American to tape Comedy Central Africa (laughs) Wow, can't believe it But we're going to definitely get into that in tonight's interview But I want you to give a warm, thinking out loud radio show welcome To new friends of the show and good friend of ours Comedian, Griff Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio
4: show Griff. How are you? <laughs> What's okay. cracking? I mean, what up though?
1: Man, I'm just so happy. To have you with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show with us on tonight, to have such a heavyweight like yourself, 25 years in stand-up, veteran radio personality, let's start here, man. You know, you guys are doing big things on the radio, Um, 40 markets, a million listeners. What's it like doing Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell?
4: Um, What I love about working with Erica is I've never seen Erica take one day off of loving Jesus Christ. Like, she ain't never said, I don't know, Griff, we might not make it, man. Like, her confidence and her faith walk is infectious, you know. And to wake up in the morning and really be focused and tell people about something that you believe in. And all Jesus want me to do is be funny. And I told him, let me tell y'all something, everybody that's listening, I got baptized and I got baptized April 13th, 2003, and I said, Lord, I will do whatever you, I won't do comedy no more if you don't want me to, but he then said, actually, I was naked in the middle of my living room on the ground, saying, Lord, I'll, whatever you want me to do, and the first thing he said was, I want you to put some clothes on, <laughs> and he said i don't want you to stop being funny i just want you to be intentional with your comedy um but one thing i you know i told my pastor i said if i gotta be lame to be saved i don't want to do it i don't like lame people and i don't want and my pastor was like i don't want you to be lame you can't you can't be no help to the kingdom if you a bum you the only one who know how to be you my mother used to tell us when we were kids, before we left the house in the hood, you know, everybody stop at the door and look at your thumb. Your thumbprint is the most unique thing on the entire planet. Even twins and triplets don't have the same fingerprint. So, in essence, you a unicorn. You're you made so special. You're your own kind of tree. You can't even be in a forest with that original. And she would make us say, so repeat after me. I am... Somebody, with our thumb up, it just gave me great confidence as a kid to know that I was special, and I just believed my mom, you know, and even when society and people were saying, you're not special, I was like, but my mom said that if I keep dreaming, that I would be able to, said, if you keep saying, I wanted to be a comedian since I was three years old, so God gave me a spirit of confidence when I was a child. And I told a I'm going to be a comedian when I grow up. By the time I was a fourth grader, a substitute could come in the class and go, what what y'all going to be? And the whole class would say, he going to be a comedian. I don't know what we going to be, but we know what he going to be. I know you are enjoying our
1: interview with co-hosts of Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell and comedian Griff. So happy to have him on The Thinking Out Loud radio show With us on tonight um, You know let's start uh, You, you kind of talked a little bit about You know wanting to be a comedian uh, As long as uh, Far back as three years old um, You know When when did it really um, When did it really become A career goal of yours uh, To become a comedian You know we asked this question of of all of our guests you know whatever their professions are and we've gotten some very interesting um, responses I remember one comedian told me that uh, she wasn't intentionally trying to be a comedian uh, she really just uh, <laughs> uh, she was upset with her job and one day she was driving and she was listening to the radio and she heard about an open mic uh, contest at a comedy club and she just went and uh, she said you know what I, I went there I't I ain't, i did not have any notes I just freestyled and uh, got up on got up on stage and I won just basically venting about her job so I I want to know from you you know when did when did comedy really become
4: a career goal of yours oh uh, no nah, well you know I could tell you about the first time I went on stage but I mean, I've been making people laugh as far as I can remember. I've always been the... You know, I went, to, I went to summer school from the sixth grade until I graduated from high school, not because I was dumb, but because I'm from the hood. And I had abusive, and it was abuse going on in my house. So I just tried to stay away from the crib as much as I could. But what I ended up doing was taking on my required courses and my electives. So by the time I was a senior, I only had one class, and it was government economics. And in California in 1988, they made me go to school from 7.35 to 3.35, and my class was at 10.30. Mm. And I was begging them, I was like, well, why don't y'all just let me come to school at 10 or let me leave at 12? Like, let's pick one. (laughs) So every day, my whole senior year, I sat on a bench in the courtyard and wrote signs that said, let me go home.
6: <laughs> so,
4: I got out, I, I left high school with a lot of scholarships, and I didn't want to go to school. Enough. Like, I already knew what I was going to be. But I joined the Army, just despite my military father. And then I probably should have crashed his car or something, because when I came home, and said, man, I joined the military, he was like, who wrong of it? Simplified jealous and the Marine Man is a good man and you and I was like Army. <laughs> but he said, oh, you didn't know what Army meant. Army means ain't ready to be a Marine yet.
6: Oh.
4: <laughs> when you're 17 though, you think you're so smart. So I joined the Army. I copied Morse code during Desert Storm. I had a top-secret security clearance when I was 18 years old. I lived in Germany. I speak fluent German now. And when I left Germany and came to D.C. with Fort Meade and NSA was, um, I started comedy on April 14th, 1995. This girl, we actually worked at this strip club that didn't have a liquor license and Snapple had just came out. So these Snapple trucks would come, and we only had Snapple ice tea and Snapple punch or something like that. It was two Snapples, and they had just came out. And me and her worked in this front room where I checked your ID, you gave the money, and then you went in the door behind us, and that's where the strippers was. But it was in Laurel, Maryland. The strippers was... I don't know, they look like a bunch of moms. <laughs> they wasn't they wasn't black strippers, so they probably look crazy. I ain't really get into them like that. I you know, but we were sitting in that booth and I would go, What you gonna be when you grow up? She would say, Man, I'm gonna be an interior designer and I was like, I'm gonna be a comedian and we are gonna be laughing at this stupid booth we working at and then one day she took me to the comedy club, which was literally on the same street as the strip club about two and a half miles down on the right hand side and she took me it was a comedian named not kevin anthony kevin not kevin flag that was kevin lee was a comedian he was on hbo he was a comedian that would pull out a machete and start uh, juggling the machetes and he would roll his sleeve up and he would have a bunch of band-aids on. Well, Kevin Lee was performing at this comedy club that held about 300 people and it was only about eight people there. And Kevin Lee is a prop comedian, so if you can imagine um, Carrot Top. Carrot Top has a chest behind him and he just pulls different stuff out of the chest. Well, that's what Kevin Lee was doing back in 95. On this particular night... The airline lost his his chest, so on stage in front of eight people, this very very empty club, he kept saying, you know, normally I have my chest and I could go get whatever. So after the fourth time of him saying, you know, if I had my chest, I would say I know you would finish it, and then he 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 wanted to join me, so he. Now remember don't forget it's eight people. That's including me and my homegirl, the waitresses, the bartender, Kevin, and probably four people who got free tickets. So we start joning back and forth and the eight people are laughing at me. And I started comedy the next day.
6: <laughs>
4: so you basically
1: took over his took over his entire set. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I started in Washington, D.C. with Joe Claire, Ray Grant, Dominique. Yeah, of course, Chris Thomas and T-Rex and Pierre and Coco Brown and, you know, all those Ted Carpenter, all them people. I started with them. Donnell Rollins, all of them.
1: Wow. Heavyweights in the game, man. Wow. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I'm just enjoying myself uh, chopping it up with comedian Griff. So excited to have him on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And, you know, I was listening to you. Um, Where do you get your material from? You you know,
4: are you, uh, you know, just. I'm an observation I'm an observation comedian, so it's what I see. I write a lot, and I kind of mix my ob- observations with some funny stuff. But Milton Berle, if you know who Milton Berle is. Absolutely. On CNN, uh, with Larry King, he said there are comics and there's comedians. And the comics are people that say funny things, and comedians are people that make things funny. And I'm a comedian, you know. I can talk about being at my mama house. And my cousins start tripping. I, I know how to make that funny. But I was brought up in a funny home. Like, my mother is still the funniest person I know. And when I go home, my sisters and brothers clown the mess out of me. Like, I got some funny sisters, man. They do not let They don't cut me no sweat.
1: We're so glad to have Comedian Griff on the show with us on tonight, man Love chopping it up with him Down to earth, humble guy Again, so happy to have him on the Thinking Out Loud radio show You know, who are some of your um, comedic role models? You know, uh, individuals that inspired you to, you know,
4: do what you do now Say George Burns and and Bob Hope. You know they both lived to be hundred years old. They both were still doing comedy in '97. Um, and the influence that they had, and how long they did it. They they really are the essence of it's a it's a marathon and not a quick race. So I'm I'm, I'm privy to those comedians. You know I watched Saturday Night Live growing up, and I understood that every and every set we saw was a premise of a joke. And a joke that was just stretched out more and more every Saturday. So I learned very I learned very quickly at a young age that comedy is visual. So and because I speak in pictures and everything that I say, people have to see. And when you can get a whole bunch of strangers in on a common denominator of what's going on in the room, and no longer becomes comedy. It's almost a, uh, like a sociology thing going on because we both are understanding the norms of each other. So it's a little comedy, is a little deep for me.
7: Listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial.
8: Author and Professor Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be, and I think Malcolm is is a much more um, brilliant and 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 um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show. Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a Black America statesman too. He's going to the Middle East, he's going to Africa. Um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement.
0: We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
1: Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless?
0: Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you Get were naked? you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Neimans talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden.
1: For the Thinking Out Loud radio show, an excerpt from a powerful address given from one of black history's iconic leaders, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X. He's addressing his split from Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam and discussing his path forward and his continued fight for equality and justice for African Americans in this country. We honor Malcolm's brilliance as well as his courage to speak truth to power, continuing to let his voice be heard by any means necessary. Take a listen.
5: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. (laughs) Everybody is here. As many of you know, uh, last March, When it was announced that I was no longer in the black Muslim movement, it was pointed out that it was my intention to work among the 22 million non-Muslim Afro-Americans and to try and form some type of organization or create a situation where the young people, our young people, the students and others, could study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people had been playing around with for too long. And that we would have some kind of meeting and determine at a later date whether to form a black nationalist party or a black nationalist army. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas and to come up with some kind of solution to the problem that confronts all of our people. And tonight we are here to try and get an understanding of what it is they've come up with. Also, recently, when I was blessed to make a trip pilgrimage a religious pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca where I met many people from all over the world plus spent many weeks in Africa trying to broaden my own scope and get an open, more of an open mind to look at the problem as it actually is one of the things that I realized and I realized this even before going over there was that the our African brothers have gained their independence faster than you and I here in America have They've also gained recognition and respect as human beings much faster than you and I. Just 10 years ago on the African continent, our people were colonized. They were suffering all forms of colonization, oppression, exploitation, degradation, humiliation, discrimination, and every other kind of Asian. And in uh, a short time, they have gained more independence, more recognition, more respect as human beings than you and I have. And you and I live in a country which is supposed to be the citadel of education, freedom, justice, democracy, and all of those other pretty sounding words. So it was our intention to try and find out what was our African brothers doing to get results so that you and I could study what they had done and perhaps gain from that study or benefit from their experiences. And, And my traveling over there was designed to help to find out how. One of the first things that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. The purpose of our Organization of Afro-American Unity, which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. To bring about the independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States, and bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. That's our motto. The purpose of our organization is to start right here in Harlem, which has the largest concentration of people of African descent that exists anywhere on this earth. There are more Africans here in Harlem than exist in any city on the African continent, because that's what you and I are, Africans. The Charter of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights are the principles in which we believe and that these documents, if put into practice, represent the essence of mankind's hopes and, uh, and good intentions. Desirous that all Afro-American people and organizations should henceforth unite so that the welfare and well-being of our people will be assured, we are resolved to reinforce the common bond of purpose between our people by submerging all of our differences and establishing non-sectarian constructive programs for human rights. We hereby present this charter, number one, the establishment, the Organization of Afro-American Unity shall include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. In essence, what did it instead of you and me running around here seeking allies in our struggle for freedom? In the Irish neighborhood, or the Jewish neighborhood, or the Italian neighborhood, we need to we need to seek some allies among people who look something like we do. Once we get there, allies. <laughs> it's time out for you and me to stop running away from the wolf, right into the arms of the fox, looking for some kind of help. Number two self-defense. Since self-preservation is the first law of nature, we assert the Afro-American's right to self-defense. The Constitution of the United States of America clearly affirms the right of every American citizen to their arms, and as Americans, we will not give up a single right guaranteed under the Constitution. The history, the history of unpunished violence against our people, clearly indicates that we must be prepared to defend ourselves, or we will continue to be a defenseless people at the mercy of a ruthless and violent racist mob.
1: Enjoy this week's talk coming from Black History's iconic leader, El-Haj Malik El-Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X. We admire his leadership, his brilliance, his courage to speak truth to power, continuing to let his voice be heard by any means necessary. Shouts out to all of our guests on part two of the Trifecta edition of this week's Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, our good friend, intellectual luminary, and pastor Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes, the third, award-winning author and speaker Brina Clark, and comedian and radio host Griff. We thank them so much for being on the show with us, and uh, we thank God for their for their examples that they're setting for each and every one of us in the black community. And thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. And remember, guys, you if you love this month's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, then you're going to absolutely love Women's History Month. We're working on some great shows for the month of March, so be sure to tune in. Tell somebody to tell somebody to tell somebody about what's going on right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Remember to follow us on all of our social media at TOL Radio Host MSN on Twitter and Facebook or the TOL Radio Show on Twitter and Instagram uh, and on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash think Speaking out loud HQ or just go to our website, MichaelNemens.com. There you can get all the information about all of our social media platforms and how you can follow them. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And we're getting ready to get out of here But be sure to tune in next week We're going to have another great show in store for you Until next time Always remember If you think it, you can believe it If you can believe it, you can see it If you can see it, you can be it If you can be it, you can achieve it The power rests within you The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body Use what you got to get what you want The power is in you It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show Thank you
6: for listening
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnimmons.com Want to book radio host Michael Nimons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemmons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.